morning. Welcome to the North Point of View, downtown Savannah, the historic district, here with Dr. Walter Kimsey's. Good morning, Walter. Well, I'd say good morning to you, except according to my... my good afternoon. It's good afternoon. <laughs> Great being with you. Oh, same here. I wish my grandson was with us. <laughs> uh, by the way, you headed up there soon, like today? Uh, tomorrow? I, yeah, tomorrow. Okay. Yeah, we've got the car. Car's in good shape. All right, safe Look, travels. Oh man, I'm hoping my son doesn't steal it from me. It's a great car. Keep it put. Well, he might. Yeah. Have to fly to drive, drive back, fly back. <laughs> we'll, we'll buy you a, a bus ticket. Oh, there it's the last time you rode the Greyhound bus. Probably take you a, a week and a half to get back <laughs> my bus, right? Exactly. Well, hopefully, stops at Pedro south of the border, you know, in North Carolina. All right, so talking about south of the border. Yeah, okay, what a great segue. Uh -huh. So we've got reliability issues in China, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just yes. crazy what's going on over there with the lockdowns, the extreme stronghold that the government has on the people and their quest for zeroing out you know, the COVID issue, Eastern European issues. Where does the trade go? That's a really, really good question. For quite some time now, the guys that I work with, we have speculated on Latin America. I know Mexico is counted as part of North America, but you know, uh, they speak Spanish there. So uh, as far as I'm concerned, it's part of uh, America Latina. And that's where I think it goes. Mm -hmm. Mexico is poised to become the new China. Yeah. So when I was growing up in Brazil, you know, as you know, I grew up in Rio de Janeiro, my dad told me, and it was an amazing forecast, he told me that after he passed, but before I did, China would be the new Brazil. So in the 60s and 70s, Brazil was growing, 12, GDP growth 12% year after year. I grew up to the son of hammers. In fact, I think that's why I'm going a little deaf, you know, day and night. And my dad died in 2000, and in 2001, China signed their their agreement to join the World Trade Organization, uh, where they promised to do a bunch of stuff they never did. Right. And so uh, this irritated presidents, uh, you know, starting with Bush, all the way through to President Biden. We have been slowly watching the working age population in China, particularly since January, sorry, since uh, uh, 2016, January, the data shows a decline yeah. in the working age population. So American companies started shifting to low value added stuff where you couldn't pay people, you know, so many dollars an hour to produce something so worth far fewer dollars per hour. So they went to Vietnam, which is an easy truck drive from Southern China. And then uh, they started migrating to India, to Indonesia and other countries that have been offering all kinds of incentives to pull manufacturers from Europe and from North America in, in there. But if you're going to not manufacture in China, what you could do is send your raw materials on a shorter journey into Mexico and have those Chinese companies that you work with, uh, who you've trained to make products that meet American requirements, such as pet food that, that the dogs can eat, and not, you know, as they yeah. say happened years ago, the furniture, where they learn not to use slimmer Asians versus Americans to sit up and sit down on a couch a thousand times to make sure the couch would hold up. You know, the average American's a little wider and a little heavier. Probably, so, yeah. Yeah, you need to make some adjustments for that. 
So a lot of that has happened, and we've seen a lot of manufacturing shift in Mexico. And the white goods, right? Yes, and the white goods. It's, it's just exploded. Not just the American manufacturers, but the Europeans and the Asian manufacturers. Japan, Korea, China. It's definitely rising in Mexico. They've got the wages haven't risen as much yet, but the productivity growth is there. And we have a growing middle class in Mexico. And I think before this decade is done, Mexico will be the, the new Brazil, the new China. Well, it makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, they're right there. Now, obviously, the trade has increased. You're hearing, you're reading about the traffic at the border, you know, trucks getting in and out, taking, you know, eight to 10 hours to cross the border, that kind of thing. But it's happening and it seems like based on you know our influence and trade practices, it's a great opportunity. I'm going to flip it on you, though. What are the limiting factors with Mexico and Latin America? When I look at the industries, there are 72 of them that I've tracked now since 1998. They're defined by the stock market indices, but, but those definitions make a lot of sense. And I track it till today. China is such a large country with 1.3, 1.4 billion people that they can absorb all of those industries just like we've been able to develop them just like Europe did. But when you move to a smaller population country like Mexico, a tenth of the population of China, or you go to El Salvador, you know, one of my favorite places, but it's really small. They can't do, they can't support 72 industries. And what I mean by that, and that's something you and I see here in Savannah, it's not just about the port to port costs from the ocean carrier and then the truck or the rail costs from the port to wherever the first inland point of rest is. It, it, it's about more than that, right? You need to have the support of specialists, 3PL specialists, especially if it's a small importer that knows how to handle textiles or drugs or fruits or whatever. It just can't hand it to everybody. So if you look at U.S. ports, some of the bigger ones, New York, L.A., Savannah, those have a huge breadth of 3PL specialization capacity, such that if somebody leaves, I don't know, the Port of Oakland or the Port of Mobile and comes to Savannah, you'll find that expertise there. Sure. But if you move them out of, out of one of those two big ports to one of the other coastal ports of the smaller volume, you don't always find that expertise. Right. So that infrastructure, that, that intellectual property infrastructure, I don't think it covers all the industries, but it does autos, it does technology, it does a lot of the things that go into the automobile industry. And you might remember that book, What's Good for GM is Good for America. It's true. The two industries any economist has to track are houses and autos. Autos absorb inputs from all over the place. So I think Mexico has got the scale, the scope to absorb a lot of those 72 industries, but the rest are going to have to spread south. I'd say to El Salvador, you know, uh, uh, to what, uh, you know, to, to, to Panama, which is a good place to put distribution centers, right? For global distribution, uh, Colombia, which is a very prosperous, stable country, uh, Brazil's northeast, where I've been playing around recently. Uh, those are places that could absorb a lot of that, maybe even the Caribbean, but you have to be very deliberate. You can't have a small country go after 20 industries. They've got to pick 
and stay focused. And I think that is happening today. And this would be a shift. I mean, this is sort of a, a megatrend. I mean, this happens over a decade or so, not over a year or so. That's correct. Yeah, I've watched and I've worked with the guys in San Diego and Tijuana. They're binational economic region. Just watching how they've tried to develop a lot of things. You know, Baja California is the Silicon Valley for Mexico. And, and so there's a lot of advanced medical technology, advanced technology that's being done there. But trying to make that work for the San Diego TJ you know, economy, it takes a long time. They've been at it 15 years. Yeah, a story to follow. Mm -hmm. Walter, thanks. Certainly. Good being with you. Take care. Thanks, guys.